Welcome to Kuemaka Conversations. My name is Keanu Wesso. I am a student in the music industry seminar at Kuemaka College. On today's episode, I will be speaking with Karush Tagavi. He is a musician from Iran who has performed around the world and recorded several albums. He still performs and composes to this day, and he also works with the Iranian School of San Diego. This interview was conducted remotely. As a result, there is some artifacting. Nonetheless, there is some really good material that I hope our listeners will enjoy. Welcome, Kurush, to Kuimeke Conversations. Uh, let me just start off by thanking you for setting aside the time to do this interview with us. Thank you. Let's just kind of jump right into it. Uh, where are you from originally? I know you're from Iran, but what part of Iran? I'm from northern part of Iran, north uh, east of Iran, uh, southeast of the Caspian Sea. It's a little town called Gorgon. I was born in 1965 in Gorgon and lived in Iran until I was about 17 uh, and then uh, moved out of Iran you know, as a refugee, was during the war. I went to Italy for about seven, eight months and then uh, my emigrated to the U.S. in 1984. And uh, what instruments do you play? Setar. It's a Persian lute. It has uh, four strings and 25 frets. And that's the instrument I fell, love, fell in love with. And that's the instrument I'm sticking to. And how long have you been a, a musician? How long have you been playing? I started um, actually um, taking lessons kind of later on in life. when I was 24. So I started uh, learning the sitar and Persian classical music when I was 24. And I'm 57 now. Um, so um, after like about 15 years, I started, uh, you know, performing and teaching. And so I started my professional career as a musician uh, about 20 years ago or so. Since you started it at that such a late age, you know, a lot of people get started kind of in their teens or as kids because right. of their parents. Uh, what was the experience that made you want to pursue music as a career, especially at that age? Well, you know, just like many of my, um, you know, gen uh, generation, when I left Iran, you know, uh, there is a uh, there is a tradition, there is a, um, if you will, culture of either becoming a doctor or a lawyer, you know, this is back then. So my parents, you know, uh, first of all, got me out of the country. I escaped Iran through the mountains of Turkey in 1983 because it was during the Iran-Iraq war and the political upheaval that was taking place in Iran. I was a political activist as well, you know, as a youngster. So there were a lot of dangers. So just like many people who escaped through that route, um, I escaped Iran um, to come to the U.S. to become a doctor. Uh, so I was studying uh, microbiology and biology when my later on teacher, Ustad Mahmoud Azal Lutfi, teachers, and Ustad Hussein Alizadeh, along, along with uh, Ustad Hussein Umumi and Muhammad Qavi Helm, uh, came to, uh, to the U.S. for a series of concerts in 19... Um, 86, 87. And then um, one night I went to their concert and Lutfi came on stage with his sitar and he strummed his strings and I fell in love with the sound of the sitar and the music uh, that Lutfi played. And uh, I decided that that's what I wanted to do for the rest of my life and not pursue a career in medicine. 
So after a bit of a struggle with myself and uh, you know trying to convince my family that um, medicine was not the route for me, one day you know I was studying at the UCLA library. I was going to Santa Monica College at the time, but I used to study at the library at UCLA. So now um, I put all of my microbiology books in my backpack, uh, zipped it and threw it in the trash can and decided that that's what I wanted to do. So that's how it started. It's really enlightening to hear that you were studying such like an advanced career and like it was that one moment that made you change your mind. And it's a beautiful story. You know, it's a moment where something clicks with us, right, that changes inside of us and makes us realize what we want because I at a young age right we spend a lot of time trying to find ourselves and what we actually want to do in life I'm happy for you that you were able to figure that out you Thank know you. that's a good thing it's a blessing for your musical education how did you you know become proficient in sitar here in, in San Diego uh, well at the time I was um, I had just moved to Berkeley California and um, like I said, Ustad Mohammed Reza Lutfi decided to stay in the U.S. at that time. I contacted him and I told him the same story I just told you. He was a, he's probably one of the greatest master musicians of Iran, you know, in the history of this music. Uh, he happens to be from my hometown as well. Um, I had heard his music growing up and, you know, I contacted him and told him, you know, this is all I wanted to do. And, you know, he was very encouraging and he said, I'm in DC. He used to live in uh, DC area, in the DC area at the time. But I traveled to Berkeley from time to time. He had a student in Berkeley, uh, Ms. Parto Hushmanrod, who was my first sitar instructor. He suggested to take lessons from her until you know he uh, travels to the Bay Area. So first time he traveled to the Bay Area, you know. I, uh, took some lessons from him and I told him, you know, I want to continue my lessons with him. Throughout the years, you know, he traveled back to Berkeley, stayed with me, me at my apartment for months at a time. And, you know, that ongoing um, uh, teaching, uh, you know, was the foundation of my musical uh, journey. Uh, you know, taking lessons from the get-go uh, from one of the greatest musicians that ever played music uh, was a blessing, was a was an uh, opportunity that I couldn't pass. So, and then Ustad Hussein Andizada also traveled to uh, the Bay Area. Uh, he stayed with us as well, and I took lessons from him. As so, my musical career is, if it's not solely based on their teachings, it's definitely heavily influenced by by their teachings. So, I owe them both a great deal for everything that they taught me and everything I've learned. And, you know, Lutfi passed away seven, eight years ago, and I still, you know, consider myself his student and I still take lessons from him when I listen to his music. So uh, it's an ongoing experience. It's an ongoing journey. Learning music doesn't stop. You know, one's life stops from uh, learning music. So. I consider myself a person who's still in pursuit of new ideas and new things in music. Now that's really touching and, and that's a really beautiful way to put it. We should move through life constantly learning new things and we should never stop being a student for anything, you know? Um, right. But yeah, so that's really awesome that you got to 
a study under the very people that influenced you. Now, did you have any other influences growing up or even now maybe? You know, I'm, like I said, I'm 57, so it's, it's really hard to influence a 57-year-old. But, um, you know, uh, the, I think the greatest influence on, uh, you know, on musicians, musicians from all over the world uh, until, you know, they die, is the environment in which they thrive, in the environment in which they live. You know, as an immigrant, you know, I've always been um, in touch with uh, the motherland, if you will, and, you know, the what's going on in in Iran and in, in the, within that culture and with, within that society, you know, that influences me and that uh, inspires me to work harder and study more and practice more and take lessons if I, I, I can. I'm taking a, a master class in uh, Radif of Persian classical music, again, with a prominent master musician, Ustad Arshad Tahmas be these days. And that's, the, musically, that's where I am uh, when, it comes, when it comes to learning. But, uh, you know, I'm sure you're aware of what's going on in Iran these days. Um, you know, that sheer uh, energy of young people who are standing up for their rights with the slogan, uh, uh, Women, uh, Life, Freedom, Zadi. you know, that's very inspiring. That makes me as a musician, as, a, as an Iranian-American, to um, follow the nuances of this movement and learn from it, learn to not stop uh, fighting for what I like, whether it's in music, whether it's in, you know, today's society, whether it's, whether it's, whether it's in politics. So there is a lot one can learn from one's history and culture. You know, like I said, I've spent most of my adult life here in the U.S. and I've always been a fan of great artists who have lived here, whether they were Americans or non-Americans. Uh, you know, I've been influenced as a younger uh, person, as a teenager, by, you know, bands like Pink Floyd and guitarists like Eric Clapton, just because of their sheer, uh, you know, genius when it comes to playing music. Also, to where they got their inspirations. Pink Floyd, for instance, is, an, uh, is, a, is a band, was a band, that took in a lot of the social and uh, political issues of the time and uh, composed and performed based on those things. So this ongoing, this connection between musicians, their society, their culture, their politics, so on and so forth, has always been a big part of me, still is, and I think to, the, to my last breath, it will be. Uh, those are my inspirations. That's where I try to, you know, get my ideas from uh, talking to peer musicians um, who feel the same way. Um, so it's an, it's an ongoing concept, just like life itself. Uh, you learn from every aspect of it and you go on, you move on and see what the next chapter will bring you. As you just mentioned, music is a good way for you to kind of stay connected, but also it's part of your identity. So what I kind of wanted to ask, like going a little further on that topic, 
I know you only lived in Italy, as you mentioned, for a few months, but did that contribute to your experience at all when you were moving and leaving uh, Iran? You know, and let me start with a uh, one of my favorite stories from uh, Peter O'Toole, uh, the Irish, um, I'm not mistaken, Irish uh, actor. Once he was telling his story from the time that he was a, a very young um, actor playing, um, I think, in Royal Shakespeare Company as a, as a student. And he said, uh, we were playing can't remember either Othello or Hamlet, and uh, he he was trying to play a scene, and the director was keep telling him, you know, this is not how it's supposed to sound, and it's supposed to look, and then he said, you know, all of a sudden it dawned on me, and I said, I know now I understand. You want me to play it um, as if it's bigger than life, right? And then he said, you know, the director, the teacher, his professor looked at him, and he said listen, there is nothing bigger than life, so just go ahead and act. Um, you know, that always resonated with me when I heard uh, that interview. Um, you know, living in Italy as a very young um, man, I was on 17, 17 a few months, um, what really caught my attention um, was the history of Italy um, history of their struggle against fascism, um, their history of their food and wine, which all of those combined creates a culture that music is a great part of, theater is a great part of, culinary arts is a great part of, uh, winter culture is a great part, uh, part of. So uh, living in a different country for the first time, I was uh, like I said, only 17, I was living in a different country and culture that I was pretty much, you know, um, had no idea about. And then I realized, you know, just like my own, the, the Persian Iranian culture, you know, they thrive on so many different aspects of life to become that whole, that whole um, Italian that they are, you know, they had, you know, immigrants from all over the world. Uh, and then they were dealing with that. And then, you know, they were you know, conservatives and ultra-right, um, you know, groups that were uh, dumping everything and making everything the immigrants fault, just like what we go through here from time to time every few, uh, you know, um, election cycles. And then I realized, you know, a culture is a culture when all of these aspects um, are known to you. Uh, so, um, yeah. It, that few months in Italy, you know, played a big role in my life. And I realized that I can experience that in anywhere else that I go. And when I moved to the US later on, you know, when I was in my mid 20s, having lived here for almost a decade at that time, uh, you know, I had friends from all walks of life. I realized uh, the great, you know, aspects of the culture that I was living in. Um, you know, the civil rights movement, the great blues musicians and the jazz culture and the jazz musicians, uh, the great African-American culture, the great, uh, you know, Native American culture that exists here. You know, there are so many aspects of a, um, of a society that, you know, plays a role in becoming who you are. You know, we have two little kids. Uh, my son is nine years old and my daughter is 13. They, are, they were both born here. 
and I see that that the the, the culture that they are thriving on it's mostly what we call American culture and there are great aspects of the Persian culture involved in it and then they have friends from different walks of life who make them familiarize with their cultural backgrounds and you know I'm watching them grow and becoming a well-rounded person just because they are you know around many different ideas many different cultural backgrounds and that's the beauty of life and that's the beauty of where we live if we view it that way otherwise we can just put our heads in the in the sand and think we are the only ones who exist in in this universe it's really important to be surrounded by different cultures different lifestyles different uh, schools of thought even just a question are you teaching them farsi as well absolutely they go to persian school here you know there's a persian school in san diego that's uh the biggest persian school outside of iran it has about 250 if not more students and they only teach them you know language it's a, it's only a cultural school uh has nothing to do with religion or politics or anything they just their main goal is for kids to understand you know uh, read and write uh farsi persian uh so they can communicate with their uh family members back in iran if they have any or maybe they get aspired to pursue a career in persian studies persian literature persian history um and you know enrich the society they live in uh from a different perspective as well so they are american with iranian backgrounds that will make a difference uh using their uh the positive aspects of the culture that their parents were from and enrich the new culture they're living in so absolutely they're learning farsi i know the biggest uh, immigrant population of iranian americans is in los angeles so i guess it kind of makes sense for san diego to have a big school but uh that's wonderful and how long have you been working yes. exactly with them um just a few years i don't work with this school you know i help them with their music uh uh programs uh, i have been for the past few years you know we teach kids uh sitar and percussion we teach them to sing uh but as an extracurricular activity not not as a uh, part of their curriculum are you part of like any groups or do you play like with whoever reaches out to you um no i i prefer to choose the people i uh, play with um you know i've had f- a few friends we have an ensemble we formed an ensemble many years ago two of us have been the constant members of that ensemble there are other musicians who sometimes join us and we've prefer- performed in festivals outside of the US in turkey in in europe and throughout the US um i give lectures at universities i teach privately i record and one of my pieces uh is part of the an augmented reality in at the San Diego Museum of Arts so i try to show my music um and use my music in different venues again to enrich the culture I'm, that i'm living in and introduce the culture that i was born in uh because i absolutely believe that uh we all can learn from each other there are many many different aspects of different cultures that are unknown to 
uh, all of us that we can use to enrich our community and our society. And so for your performances, then, do you mostly stick to traditional Persian style music or are there other styles of music that you play? Because I know, I know sitar is part of other types of ensemble as well. No, I play Persian classical music. Have you ever tried playing any other styles? I know there's some Arabic influence, right? And there's some Turkish influences. Do you ever play any of that or do you just stick mostly to Persian? No, those are, when, when you enter, you know, what this new term that I'm not very keen on uh, called world music, you know, that's when you start, you know, playing Turkish music, Arabic music, so on and so forth, or play with them. I once played with an, with an India, Indian sitar player. Uh, he played North Indian music and I played Persian classical music. And it was beautiful because we were saying the same thing with two different languages, it seemed. I uh, also had a performance with another local musician, a great tabla player, Miles uh, Shrewsbury, um, in the area. Um, again, I played Persian classical music and he accompanied uh, me with tabla. And he played tabla the way, you know, it's supposed to be played. I played the sitar the way it was supposed to be played. Again, it was a dialogue as if we had with two different languages. And it worked fine. I'm not very keen. First of all, I'm not trained uh, for playing other styles of music. You know, there's such a depth into uh, in Persian classical music that I think I need a couple of more lifetimes to learn all of that and perform all of it. So... I'm sticking to what I know and there's still a lot more to do in it. Now, if you could, you know, live a few more lifetimes and really just kind of hone that in, uh, is there a style of music or another instrument that you would one day pick up? If, if I had time, I would learn the cello. You know, many years ago, um, I wrote a piece. There was an animation that was supposed to be depicting the... Uh, Japanese Americans who were in, sent to camps during the World War II in Northern California. And a friend of mine, um, who's a writer historian, uh, she was doing a piece uh, along with a couple of other anim animators for it, um, a museum in Japan. And he asked, she asked me if I wanted to compose a piece for the project. Rearrange, if you will, one of the traditional songs of Persian classical music. Uh, in the pentatonic scale that, you know, kind of sounded like, you know, Far East music, those scales and those tonations, if you will. And I, I had the idea to play it with a tabla and a shakuhachi, the bamboo Japanese flute and the sitar. And then through that, I had an opportunity to perform with Coleman Barks and Robert Bly, the two famous American poets who translated Rumi in Austin, Texas. And along them, beside them, there was an ensemble, a wonderful jazz ensemble called Mundi. Uh, one of the musicians was a cello player. She was a fantastic cello player. And we, for the poetry recitation, we did a couple of pieces together. And I thought that, you know, cello and sitar sound really 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 good together so if i had the chance to you know learn another style of music i would learn the cello of course after i played bach i would you know dabble into mixing it with other styles of music but cello for sure and um 
what's known as Western classical music would be my next choice if I had another lifetime to deal with music. I wish I could, same as you, like just live a long, long time and learn so many things. Uh, as far as some of the other work you've done, have you put out any records? or? Yes, the, I have five albums out there. The first one I did was a uh, was music for a um, book of Baha'is. I have a, a great friend who's an artist. She, he's a director and an actor. And he uh, recited parts of the book of the um, Baha'is. It's called this, it's called Seven Valleys. That was my first album that I composed music for the his recitation of the book. After that, I did a few compositions on poetry of Furu Farrokhzad, a contemporary poetess, if you will, of Iran, uh, alongside Siavash Kastroi named Osyan, Rebellion. That was in 2005. Uh, then I did a instrumental album with Pejman Haddadi and Greg Ellis called Epiphany. Before that, actually, I should, I should skip that. I did my first solo album called The Passionate Soul. Uh, it was dedicated to the Iranians who were unjustly political prisoners who in 1980s, 88 were executed in in masses unfortunately uh in iran it was dedicated to them after that i did the rebellion ocean and we had a few more works that we were going to record but it never worked out because of my fellow musicians traveling and moving to other parts of the world my latest album is called ode to love there are my new compositions came out a few years ago, three years ago, right before COVID. And uh, those are all compositions on contemporary poetry of Iran. And, you know, there are other compositions that are recorded, you know, just as a, a solo piece. Um, they're online, they're on YouTube. And, but those are the albums I put it out. Is there a particular song that you really enjoy playing, either one that you've written or one that you've learned? You know, um, I'm sure I have favorites among my own compositions, but there's this thing, it, it, it seems like, you know, once I compose something and I perform it and, uh, you know, after a while, it seems like, you know, I need to move on to the next project and to the next song and then start thinking about new compositions. You know, there are classical pieces that always in awe and especially pieces by so that I always play and I always like to play and I always like to teach and I always like to hear. So yeah, there are many, many different songs and pieces that I like to play and teach and perform all the time and I try to do it. Of my own, I'm sure I have favorites. Like there was a piece that I wrote for my, uh, both my children. It's an, it's an odd uh, cycle of 21-8 when I, was changing my daughter's diaper when she was just a few months old. You know, I used to sing this lullaby like for her. And, you know, one time when my friend Peshwan Adadi, the great world-renowned percussionist, he was visiting us and I was, you know, just humming that for my daughter. And he said, oh, wow, that's, a, that's an incredible cycle. Have you thought about working on it as a musical piece? I said, no, but we sat down and we, I uh, wrote down the cycle, it turned out to be 21-8. So 
I didn't even thought about it that way. I was just humming it for my daughter. And then that gave me an idea to work on that piece. And I turned it to a few minutes uh, long piece. It's one of my favorite things that I've composed mainly because I did it for my children. As far as right now goes, like, are there any projects or plans you have for the near future? Uh, yes, um, you know, I mentioned, you know, the, some people call it revolution. I like to call it a revolution that's going on in taking place in Iran. There, there's a song that I composed, you know, about 10 years ago for the green movement that was taking place in Iran. And uh, we are rearranging it and we are re-recording it. Hopefully it will come out in the next couple of weeks. Uh, that's the project we have in hand right now. I hope that work, I mean, we, we can finish the project as soon as possible. So that's the next immediate plan. Okay, nice. So that's what you got in the oven right now. And anything for next year or? No, you know, uh, ever since COVID, uh, you know, the, the concerts are slowly coming back. You know, last year I did a couple of solo concerts in uh, in California, in a few cities. A few months ago, we did a trio uh, in again in a couple of cities in California. So I have plans for more performances for next year uh, with my friend Saeed Kamju, who lives in Canada, in Montreal, Canada, and Pejman Haddadi again. Uh, we have a few uh, projects that we'd like to get it going, but it all depends how COVID allows us for concerts to take place again. So hopefully next year we'll have more concerts than we did this year. Well, that's great. Thank you, Korush, so much for your time. Is there anything you would like to share with our fellow musicians or just anyone who might be listening to this? First of all, let me thank you for you know giving me the opportunity to talk about what I love uh, so much, and that is music, arts, and culture. No, you know, my only, you know, I hate to give advices to, you know, people, especially younger people, because I absolutely wholeheartedly believe uh, that the generations that came after mine, they're a whole lot smarter and they have a whole lot more to offer. That's just nature of life. But the only thing that I would love to share with them that, uh, you know, uh, don't be afraid of pursuing what you really love. I just, you know, want to share with them my experience that if you choose to follow and pursue what you really love, it means you have to put in a whole lot more effort than just anything else. Because every time you love something so much, you have to cherish it more. You have to protect it more. You have to work harder for it to stay safe and sound. So uh, that's it. If you love pursuing the arts, music, anything. It means you care about something really wholeheartedly. And when you care about something, you know, you need to put in under 10% for it. That's the only thing I would share with you. Thank you so much, Kurush. It's been an honor having you. Please have a great day and uh, stay safe. As always, we, we still got COVID. We still got lots of things going on in the world. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thanks very much for having me.